Hi, this is Gayatri. Welcome to my course on Patanjali Yoga Sutras. I'd like to begin with a prayer. ಶಂಖಚಕ್ರಸಿಧಾರಿಣಸ್ರಶಿರಸ್ವೇತಂಜಲಿ Welcome to lesson 1 Samadhi Pada Sutra 1 Atha Yoga Nushasanam Let us understand how each of the maharishis the gurus and their bhashyas translate this first sutra According to Maharishi Vedvyasa Yoga here stands for samadhi or communion or the control over the functions of the mind the nature of such communion is the nature of the mind the states of the mind that he defines for us are shipita fickle which resides in rajas mudha dullness which resides in tamas vikshipita distracted which occurs in sattva ekagra one pointed in which all states of mind mentioned previously have ceased and niruddha inhibited communion or yoga according to maharishi vedvyasa is that which happens only in the one pointed state that illuminates the true nature of things destroys afflictions loosens karmic bonds and brings you face to face face with niruddha or the inhibited nature which is sampragnyata yoga or concrete communion a sampragnyata yoga or the abstract communion is that in which all states of mind are surpassed such yoga is known by its characteristics of perception conception joy self awareness samskara is the residue and is left behind The same sutra is explained by Swami Satyananda more etymologically. Atha, he says, is the pause. It means now therefore. But why has Patanjali used now therefore? Why did he not use atra or here are the instructions? That is indicative, Swami Satyananda says. that these instructions are a continuation of a previous instruction and therefore such yoga comes after purification through karma yoga and bhakti yoga the paths of action and devotion when you arrive at yoga after these paths the yoga you attain or the practice of yoga is intelligible and fruitful when your mind and body is not purified through karma yoga bhakti yoga and you arrive at yoga then your mind is wavering and wavering minds and tendencies cannot unlock yoga 
anu he points out is the suffix to shasanam which is a command the word shastra and ishvara both derive from shasan and mean instruction and he who gives instruction so swami satyananda disagrees with the other commentators who have translated atha anushasanam as now the exposition of yoga because he points out that patanjali's yoga sutra is very very concise he doesn't even use uh, adjectives or adverbs there's no there's not a single unnecessary word in the sutra and therefore it cannot be an exposition it is brief concise instructive what he is saying is this is how you practice yoga these are the conditions of the mind this is how the individual experiment this is the place of god in yoga it is this and that in itself is the complete instruction swami vivekananda does not go into detail explaining the first first sutra um he just translates it as now concentration is explained he treats it as a simple introductory line and directly gets into the second sutra in the introduction to the sutras however he points out that the now indicates the moment of time in the present in which we see that we are the outcome and manifestation of an absolute condition prior to our present relative condition and are going forward to return again to the absolute now i know swami vivekananda can sometimes sound a little you know uh, verbose but what he is basically saying is your standing in the now and that now is what links us to the past where we have come from and links us to the future where we are going and both where we have come from and where we are going is towards the absolute and this is what he sets about explaining in his introduction so we are both the outcome and manifestation of the past of the prior condition and we are going forward to return to the same state so in a sense he's saying there's neither past nor present and yet there is both past and present take some time to dwell on that the next one is uh, bk sangar and he translates translates it as now with prayers for divine blessings the procedural guidance in the codes of conduct instructions which are to be observed and which form the base from which to cultivate one spiritual and, and ethical life i'll just clarify that a little now atha with prayers for divine blessings procedural guidance in the codes of conduct these instructions which are to be observed and which form the base from which to cultivate one spiritual and ethical life will begin so what bk sangar is saying is he observes that these are detailed instructions and codes these come step by step they come in a specific order they come in the correct order 
and it moves us towards an end which is self enlightenment for the purpose of liberation because sangar notes that patanjali is the first to give us the new path and his use of the word now atha is an expression of immediacy now take it up start now now it is clarified it is also a continuation from his previous treatises on grammar and ayurveda as we saw in the introduction i've already mentioned this that along with patanjali's treatises on grammar and ayurveda the yoga sutras become the moksha sutras and Sri Ayengar points out that as grammar is a prerequisite for lucid speech and Ayurveda of health of body, together these work to support our journey to establish equilibrium, the cultivation and transcendence of consciousness, culminating in liberation from rebirth, which is the ultimate end. He also points out that Atha is the beginning of the Brahma Shastra, and hence it is a proclamation. it's a desire to know brahman and in the yoga sutras it is a similar proclamation atha now it is the urgency by which you declare that you are ready to see yourself and in the yoga sutra it is the seer who is the object of knowledge therefore he points out yoga is a subjective art philosophy science it has many meanings but it is in the yoga sutra that it is the state of samadhi or the indivisible state of existence so to sort of summarize what he's saying he explains the disciplines of integration the disciplines by which we are integrated are here expounded through experience and are given to humanity for the exploration and recognition of that hidden part of man which is beyond the awareness of the senses now osho explains it a bit more simply so i quite like osho's exp- uh, explanation um i also like swami satyananda's because i think he's is very very systematic and clear about what he's trying to say um the others also have clarity but i think they assume a higher level of knowledge in the student which unfortunately we do not have so we struggle a bit with their words you know they use very uh, especially swami vivekananda uses very large words very circuitous um reasoning because ayangar is uh, completely uh, uh, at an elevated <laughs> level of conversation so you you know you take a minute to sort of catch up with what he's saying because we haven't uh, Uh, we're not our minds are not racing at the speed at which is is osho i think simplifies thing for people like me and he says now the discipline of yoga so he translates the line very literally but osho being osho then jumps to comparing it with kyakugad's existential anguish and he says now why does he say now the discipline of yoga because if your mind has reached a state of existential anguish then you are ready for yoga and if that moment has not come for you you can keep studying yoga but you will not be a yogi 
this is really interesting because what osho basically says is that if you're not in pain already if you're not suffering already you won't get yoga because intellectual interest in the sutras is not the path to being a yogi you cannot take an academic interest in yoga if you have come to that point where your mind is in darkness confusion when no path is clear and you're seeking of that path is the driver then your time has come and that is what is meant according to osho by atha it is now now your time has come if your mind has come to realize that whatsoever whatsoever you have been doing up to now is just senseless he says it was a nightmare at its worst and a dream at its best then the path of discipline opens up before you up until now you have lived as a chaos as crowd yoga means now you will have harmony you will have to become one you will undergo a coming together a crystallization a centering and unless you reach this point everything you do is useless fragmented a waste of time and life hence he says patanjali says now the discipline of yoga now after all this mucking about and wandering and searching and being lost now you have arrived at the discipline of yoga if your life is misery now your moment has come and this moment when it comes can change your direction your direction of being and he says only someone with a center can be blissful but you have to work for it you have to earn it a crowd cannot be blissful because there's no doer there's no seer so who's going to be blissful you see um you have to basically what he's saying is you have to identify the locus then the bliss will follow this act of centering yourself is what becomes the discipline and that osho says is what patanjali calls anushasanam and it is essentially in the capacity to learn the capacity to know but also the capacity to be and yoga is not about asana it is not about sitting that's just one of the eight limbs it's about the capacity to be you know and he tells this really beautiful story over here about um, a man who's like an activist and who goes to buddha and says you know what i agree with you the world is in misery you know all beings all beings are miserable the world is miserable and um, osho clarifies that the buddha actually didn't say that the world is in misery he said that you are in misery because of lack of clarity because of not knowing the mind because of ignorance so the buddha doesn't actually says the world is misery but this man goes to him and says whole world is misery how do we save people come on tell me and the buddha just looks at him and he says nothing and then ananda his disciple sort of nudges him and says look this man has shown up and he's willing to do things in service of humanity why are you not guiding him guide him and the buddha looks at him and he says but when i see you 
I don't see a center in you. I don't see that you have seen yourself. And if somebody like you goes and starts doing work in the world, it ends up creating more mischief. It won't help. And here's the thing that, you know, we keep talking about compassion, service, activism, doing things. Just blindly doing things are not going to help the world. It's not going to help anybody out, be put out of their misery. But the same actions that come. And here's where, though each of these gurus, as you can see, are vastly different. They're also very similar. Because this kind of echoes what Swami Satyananda says, when he says that there is a before. right? And Bikya Sangar also says that this is in consonance with the other aspects of the Moksha Sutras. But Swami Satyananda says, you have to arrive at yoga through Karma Yoga and Bhakti Yoga. Those, those have to be included. That's also what Osho says, that the same actions done through a centered being, a person who sees his center, has impact. So in yoga, the student is very important, but the master is also very important. You see, a disciple is not just somebody who has discipline, but also somebody who's ready to receive. And in the act of receiving, you become fearless. And when you become fearless, you know, and those of you who've studied yoga with the real master, for instance, when you're doing the dropbacks, or certain asanas that won't unlock themselves to you because typically it's because you're afraid. You're afraid of falling. You're afraid of your face hitting the floor. You're afraid of getting hurt. You're afraid you'll hurt your back. And so we restrain ourselves. So when a disciple is ready to receive, and when he's centered, he becomes fearless. And it is through this fearlessness that you unlock further learning. And Osho says a very interesting line. He says, a disciple is a seeker who is not a crowd. Okay. Coming to Barbara Stola Miller, uh, she doesn't really translate the first um, sutra in isolation. Uh, she explains the first four aphorisms together and she translates it very simply as this is the teaching of yoga. Um, simple introductory line. But she uses the first four aphorisms to define the nature of yoga as a state of mental tranquility and spiritual freedom, as well as the means to achieve the state. And um, so she's not really going into the nowness of yoga. There's, it's a little bit of hair splitting. I agree with the first, first sutra. Now, so you clearly have a difference between analysts who don't think that matters that much and gurus who think that it does. So um, that is the first sutra. And we'll come back to that. Um, we'll also reference it in the context of the second, third and fourth when we go ahead. Thank you for listening. And I hope you'll uh, come back to listen to the second suit.